My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 38 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. Hey everybody, in this week's podcast we've got head coach René Borg of Running Coach Ireland coming up taking us through Inside, the most advanced tool on the training and coaching market today to analyse and plan endurance, performance, racing and training. And we also talk with Rebecca Horman, winner of four ultra trail races over the last few months in her debut season on the mountains, including that fantastic victory in September in Eco Trail Wicklow in the 80k distance. Everybody, get your running gear on, let's Let's go. How are you guys? In good form, I hope, and I'm sure, like myself, you're all planning away for 2022, looking at what races you will do, how many races you will do, and if you will be staying local or going abroad. Good luck in your planning, everybody, and hopefully today's interview with the fantastic Rebecca Horman will help inspire and motivate for a great next year, a great 2022. Before we call in, Renny, everybody, a massive big thank you to our Patreons who support the show every month. We had a great response to our last show so thank you to Irish ultra running legend Ian Keith, Jody Boyle, Ross Griffin, Aidan Burke, Mark Quigley, Sam Hand, Karen McGurran and Wayne McGuigan. Guys thank you very very much for helping the show stay alive and certainly helping myself and Rennie to stay motivated and keep on knocking out good quality episodes for everybody. If anybody would like to help out guys it would be very much appreciated. It's three euros to six euros the price of a gel a month is all it takes to help keep us going and you can find out more on patreon.com dash podcast again we will never put paywalls up for our content our aim is to grow the sport of trail and money and mountain running in ireland in a fun and free way for our listeners so unlike other podcasts or other subscription services where you can only get access to certain content if you pay an extra little bit no guys if you can help out great and if you can't well then that's no problem at all keep on enjoying the show so guys let's get straight into it we like to keep up a high pace on the podcast here and let's call in our coaching guru for a chat about the next stage in physiological testing that will help us run that bit faster Renny, Renny Borg from Running Coach Ireland Renny, a pleasure as always to have you on the show how are you doing mate? Yeah, I was just sitting down to, uh, for the call. Yeah, good, good. We had a very nice hill session yesterday uh, down in Glenlock in the dark. So, the, you know, that's, that, that sets you in a good mood for a few days after. Yeah, and I think thinking maybe long term for those World Masters Championships, Rene, that I'm sure people might be aware now that they're taking place in Tipperary next summertime. And won't that be a fantastic mountain trail running event where we'll have masters teams from from all over the world coming to tipperary and um, i'm sure you'll be wearing your danish singlet that weekend yeah well all willing you know that's the that's the goal uh, i don't travel much at the moment because of the, the age of the kids and everything else so uh, it's nice to have the chance you know to do it uh, while you know all you need to do is hop the for me it's about two and a half hours down the road to clonmel uh, so that's that's not so bad you know you can you can live with that and I, I imagine when the weekend rolls along the registration is Friday evening so we'll probably make a weekend trip out of it 
Um, and I know there's going to be an open race as well, Owen, uh, on the Sunday. I just noticed yeah. that there. So it's, it should be a good weekend. Uh, I had a sneaky look at the course as well. You know, I don't think it's, it doesn't look like it's a course for the mountain running purists, you know, it's, uh, yeah. but of course it's not intended to be either because of the nature of international mountain running, you know, it's, it's more on good trail. Um, but I actually think it's, it, it looks very interesting, you know, and it's, it's a nice, I always thought of something interesting about starting just at the edge of the, the some, an urban area, like they're doing so at the edge of Clonmel and then running out into the hills. And it's probably because one of my fond early memories of mountain running was Snowden. Um, and, you know, Snowden is, is obviously a mountain over a thousand meters, but you start on a field in, in a village of Clan Barris and you're running out through the little, um, you know, the, the housing estate, basically, uh, and people are cheering you on the way out. And then you kind of slowly work your way from civilization onto the mountain and back again. And I don't know, there was always something really nice about that journey. You know, I can't really explain it, but I, I always really liked that. So it seems like, I think, in Clomel, uh, hopefully the locals will turn out in force. You know, we might get the same experience of starting on on in the field, I believe, maybe near a golf club. That was what I gathered just from the first kind of read through. Yeah. And you you run out on the tarmac road at first and then onto the good trail and then the narrow forest pass and eventually you're on the open mountain. Um, and then I believe that's a little dip on the route, so it's not totally uphill only, um, okay. but you do finish um, at some kind of grotto near the summit. Okay, and I wonder, Rene, is it the same format as other Masters World Championships, where as far as I know, you know, nobody has to do a qualifying race to make an Irish team, to, to get a singlet. I think anybody can enter, but, you know, I could easily see a scenario next summertime when, you know, you could have maybe 30 or 40 um, Irish runners looking to run in the World Championship race. So I just wonder, will they put any restrictions in terms of um, the amount of people that can run per nationality, per team? Because we could easily pack the whole race out like we did, Rennie, I think back in 2017, where we had a great Irish crew over in Slovakia, I think it was, where we had a about 15 Irish runners in the over 35 race and nearly by default we were crowned world champions that year um, so I must have a look and see if there's any limitations on the amount of people that can run per country yeah that'd be interesting to know you know obviously as I will be running for for Denmark and I don't actually expect any other Danes although you know I might be surprised I, I won't be contributing but it's very fortunate that there are no qualifying standards yeah. <laughs> for, for me anyway but it's um for yeah I think they probably will have to do something but maybe the the open race is kind of intended to uh, what would you say to to take care of that um good question and i wonder what they do for other countries like because this must be a problem in any country that hosts it that um that, you know you'd get too many locals trying yeah. to get, get into the main race um so yeah that's definitely i see if you can ask around Owen, and maybe this is a guest for an upcoming podcast in the coming months uh, you know get one of the organizers of the that world masters in and get the whole backstory of the course and everything else. I think that could be very interesting. Yeah, no, it'd be a great one. And I'm sure, Rennie, to help you get ready for these world championships, um, over the last couple of weeks, you've been preparing something new for the Armoury in Running Coach Ireland, a fantastic new piece of software analysis inside. 
that is going to help yourself and your own athletes, of course, that you coach over the coming months and years to help get them to the next stage in terms of performance. And what we were going to do today was just to introduce people to what actually inside is and the benefits that it can add to your training and um, by doing the testing and using the platform with your training. So if you had a couple of minutes, Rene, and if you wanted to go through just what inside is and maybe how athletes can get the benefit from using this type of software with their training. Yeah, so what we're talking about is a form of physiological testing. You know, that, that would probably be the term uh, most people would recognize it with who, who know a little bit about running. Um, or they might have heard of, you know, lactate testing or VO2 max testing or a combination of, of those words, you know, because some of the tests look for, for several, you call physiological variables um, in about you, which tells you something basically about how you create energy, you know, and it's always good to take the step back and say, well, what is performance? Well, performance is created by your ability to create power. And so how can you generate power? And then your ability to use that power or express that force, that would be another phrase for it. They are the two ways. So basically, you, you have to be able to generate a certain amount of energy, and then you have to be able to use that against the ground so that you create a certain pace. And that's where performance comes from. So you can only really focus on those two things. And what physiological testing generally looks at is the first part of that. They look at how does this person create the energy or the power that they have available and obviously the first thing you want to know is how much power can this person create so in a way how powerful are they how much of an engine is there here um, because a person who has a massive engine uh, has a greater potential ultimately than the person with a smaller engine uh, certainly you know in, in in any event where the pace has to be in any way fast if you make a race long enough then the size of the engine doesn't matter so much. It's other things that, that matter more. So with a physiological test, <clears throat> it used to be that if we actually really needed to know how we are different uh, at a very deep level, you would have to go to some laboratory, you know, and I used to go to a place that's closed now, but it was called Peak Health in Sandiford. And later on, I went to places like UCD. Some people go to gyms uh, where you can get some kind of test as well and other university sports labs. Um, but all of these have been closed down for a long time, you know, so th uh, they're probably getting back into gear now, I imagine. Um, <laughs> but it was always a, a bit of a strange process, even though it was very interesting because you had to go, uh, you know, to find a time to go. It would usually take one or two hours and quite often you'd have to go twice. And you're doing this test in a very artificial environment. So that, that's a problem with these tests. You know, in science, you cannot look at anything, observe anything without interfering with the result as well. And it's a, a, these physiological tests in labs are a really good example of that because you are interfering with the athlete in a big way. You are putting them on a treadmill, which is not running outside. It, it works muscles differently. You have them in a very enclosed space where the temperature is higher. You know, they usually have the window open and fans blowing just to try and cool you down. If they want metrics about what goes on inside your body in terms of, you know, how much fat does this person burn? How much lactate? How much sugar? They need to put a mask on you as well. Uh, and to, to just to add kind of ins, insult to injury, they need to prick you a lot as well. So they need to prick you either in the finger or the ear to draw blood because it is um, it's it was necessary in these tests 
to see what was the concentration of lactate. So there was all this information, you know, you had a big mask usually on your face, which was attached to a harness. And so you were breathing through that thing as well. At the same time, you were in this very hot place. You I've know, done three of them over the years, Renee, three VO2 max and labs over the years. And yeah, as you're saying, they are so uncomfortable. I remember fearing on each occasion that I was going to fall off the, the back of the treadmill as I was getting close to three minutes a kilometer. The, the mask is digging into your nose as well. And as you said, very hot, very warm and really uncomfortable. The opposite of what you would have maybe as you're running um, outside. So if, if there's an alternative to that, that can get the same results, a very, very similar results. Absolutely. And I believe inside has been used very, very well in the professional cycling world up until now. Um, the likes of what's his name? Uh, Wout van Aert is a big fan of the inside system he of course has won lots of stages in the tour de france he's had a couple of fantastic performances in the world championships as well so it comes with a very high pedigree over the last couple of years and they're now moving it into the running spectrum as well and from what i can see Rene, it's testing things like vo2 max anaerobic threshold lactate accumulation, fat and carbohydrates, combustion, recovery, and something new that I hadn't come across until I saw it on the inside literature, VLA max, glycolytic capacity, yeah. which seems fantastic. And if we can get that done accurately from doing this test outside as we're training normally, well, isn't that a great benefit? Yeah, it would be, you know, just if you, as you say, first of all, the beauty of, of Insight, Insight has been around for a long, long time, incidentally. I, I can't remember the exact founding year, but but more than 11 years anyway, uh, because they were active before 2010. But when they started, they were, they were only a step removed from for what you saw in the labs, you still had to find a way to draw blood and, you know, to get the lactates. That meant the way you conducted inside back then was you basically got some lads together at a track and you drew blood. This is much like the Ingebrigtsen's work. You don't know if some of our listeners might know them and they might have watched the documentary. It's on YouTube. And they use lactate testing constantly. You know, the father is always standing there. He's their coach. He's always standing there at the sessions drawing, drawing blood, you know, and, and it's a little bit similar to Canova and his Kenyans. You know, they, they will be sitting in the Jeep behind all these Kenyans running with all the watches attached to the um, <laughs> to the steering wheel. And sometimes they will take tests. They will take lactate tests before and after, sometimes during the runs. So there's a lot of quantification going on uh, in these kind of professional setups. Um, so it, it, on the one hand, this is something that's very attractive to those of us who who want that more, that deeper level of certainty, you know, we, we feel we are fumbling around a little bit in the dark sometimes with what we should be focusing on. And we feel that the field tests and other measurements, you know, maybe, you know, the VO2 max estimate that your Garmin is giving you is just not quite um, giving us enough information or, or we don't trust 100% that it actually reflects um, what's going on under the hood. You know, we just have this nagging sense that, um, there's something more I need to know because I'm not really getting uh, as quick results as I want anymore. You know, you might have hit a plateau. So thankfully, I think Insight developed over time an algorithm that because it's science has so much data now, they understand how all these different, you could call them uh, variables, so individual systems in the body, how they interact and that means they were able to create a test now that is no longer reliant on uh, blood <laughs> to get you 
exactly those uh, measurements that you talk about, you know, so how high is your VO2? Um, what is your lactate threshold? How much lactate do you produce? How much can you remove at, at all the different paces and all the different heart rates? Um, so, you know, that means you can go to, uh, you know, your local park if you have a lovely flat loop, or you could go to a track if you have access to it. You could just take this protocol and download it on your watch. This is how we work it now. And so we, we have taken the official inside protocol and we have developed a training peaks, a fit file, basically, which is the file that can be downloaded on all the standard watches that exist. You know, so whether you have Garmin or Chorus or Polar, it doesn't matter. You just download that on your watch. You go to the track, you've read the instructions about what you should do before the test. You go in, you conduct a test, you record it, you send the information to us. And we then do the same job that the exercise physiologist would have done for you if you had gone to, say, UCD or your local gym where, where it would have done by a personal trainer or some other qualified professional, that we take this data, we run it through the Insight software, which is a proprietary software. So basically, we don't own it, Insight owns it, and they license it to us. Um, but we are trained to handle it. And we send the results through, we generate a report that shows all of the details that you just described their own and more. And then we set up a call to explain to the person, this is what it means. Um, and there are some add-ons that you can get. Uh, the, the most notable one is there's this thing they have called performance projections, which is actually very, very interesting because it sounds like, oh, you know, you can get performance projections anywhere, right? You just go on the internet and put in your 5k time um but it, it this is a little bit more advanced than that uh, what they are doing is they say once you have a picture of an athlete you know so you know what's their vo2 max that means okay what's their oxygen intake what is their vla max that means how much um so how much lactate do you produce with your anaerobic system and all these other things what you can actually do is you can you can as an athlete say to your coach listen I would like to do this climb. I would like to ascend this uphill only race five minutes faster next year. Or you might say, I want to shave 15 minutes off my marathon time. Or you might say, well, actually, I would like to learn how could I use 10% less fuel for my next 24-hour race. And what you can do is you can take that goal, put it in this system, and you can calculate which of the variables you would need to change up or down to reach that goal. And the coach can then look at which of those is most realistic. For instance, you know, you might come up and say, well, for, for, the, for this person to do that, they would need to increase their VO2 max by uh, 20%. And you might straight away say, that's impossible. It's way too much. You know, they can't do that. And certainly not in a year. But then you look and say, oh, but if they drop their weight by 5% and they reduce, you know, this VLA max by 5% as well, then they can actually run it because that's the real constraint for this person. And that means then you don't go chasing this unrealistic goal uh, and you instead focus on what's actually the actions you need to take. So I think this, there's, there's so much this offers and it's really just about getting the data and, and sitting down with a qualified professional, you know, and, um, and get to, to use it.
It takes the guesswork out of the training, Rene, really, doesn't it? And it takes the guesswork out of fueling strategies as well. And I might just quickly go through, Rene, just what the test involves. In case people are thinking, oh, my God, what do I need to do to get these results? Do I have to go to a track and do fast 400s or do I need to be running hard for an hour? And it's actually very, very accessible, isn't it? Like you start off with a 20 second sprint and then it's a three minute max effort with plenty of recovery a six minute max effort and then a 12 minute max effort all with plenty of recovery um, included in it so it should be quite comfortable for most trained athletes to do and um, so it's not asking too much to get these results no i think unless you are you know totally untrained you would have no problems with that and, and i think most people who are just getting into running would not be interested in this test you know and if you're a total beginner and this is the first podcast you listen to don't be too intimidated you know we we cover a lot of topics and and this is probably something that's a little bit down the road for you you know if, if you're that person uh, it's, it's not going to be the first thing you do um but you can also split the protocol in two you just have to do it on back-to-back days so for instance if you if you because the rest periods as you mentioned their own is quite long between the faster efforts um it can take uh, an hour and a half or just above to complete it and some people might want to do it during the week and you know maybe they can only sneak in an hour if you split it over two days let's say you want to do it tuesday wednesday um, that's fine you just have to do it in the same place um, and and with you know otherwise following the same and we have that um we have those fit files as well so for instance we we give people the ability to say well i want to do it in one day so you just take the file that includes the full workout all the four uh, fast segments or we can send you two so that you say well i'll do it tuesday wednesday or i'll do it saturday sunday whatever you you fancy it's the same thing from a testing perspective. The only thing you don't want to do is um, you don't want to do it like a week apart or even, and especially not further, because the idea is they're trying to take a snapshot of your fitness. So you want it as close as possible. Um, so the, the only downside, so the plus you could say, if you do it over two days, it's a little bit easier to fit it in if you have a tight schedule and it'll be a little bit less physically demanding because you're spreading out the effort. Uh, you just have to, I would say, watch the weather forecast so that you don't do the Friday test in beautiful sunshine and then you do the Saturday test in gale force winds, you know, and, and storm. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's, the, that's the only thing. But all that would be explained, you know, in, in the protocol. And all you really have to do is just read. It's a few pages. Sure. And, and Rene, can I just focus in on one part of the output, the results of the test, which I hadn't been familiar with before. And I know that you've just recently completed the training course on this as well. So hopefully the, the knowledge is still fresh there in the memory. The term VLA max or the glycolytic capacity. Now, inside I've said that this is the most important measure to enhance your performance. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't heard of it maybe before and familiar with it. So if you had a minute or two, and if you can remember the, the details of it, could you bring us through what, what exactly that is and how a trail runner or how a runner can benefit from having that data and how it can apply to our training? Yeah, so it was, it was unknown to me until a few years ago as well. Um, and it's basically because we speak so much, it's back to what I said at the very beginning. So for anything, any effort you do, you produce a certain, you can produce a certain amount of power. 
And the only question really is how much of that power comes from your aerobic system and how much comes from the anaerobic system. And VO2max shows you how much can you produce with your aerobic system and your VLA max, because it's the maximum lactate production rate. It shows how much energy can you produce with your anaerobic system. So for any effort that you do, you could have a different proportion, right? So it could be 60, 40 between aerobic, anaerobic, it could be 80, 20. So two athletes could be running the same time for as the same distance, but they would use these systems a different proportion, depending on what sort of you know, muscle fibers do they have available to them and what sort of training they do. The problem is that the, the v, VO2 max being high is always good, really. It's, it's, there's not really any exceptions to that rule because that means that you can produce more energy with the oxygen, you know, that that you take in, and it's a that's a clean energy system. Um, it does a lot of recycling of of garbage products in the body and things like that. So the bigger it is, the better, basically. But VLA max is not like that, and it's it's in certain sports you need to have a very high ability to create lactate for short periods of time. But for most endurance athletes, if it's too high, what happens is that the production of lactate outstrips your body's ability to remove it. So that means there's an imbalance between these two uh, energy producers. And that actually means an endurance performance is about getting the perfect balance between these two for the particular distance, right? So if, if it was you, Owen, you would need a different balance if you wanted to race 1500 meters in three months and then if you wanted to race a marathon in three months. So that means if we did the test today, we would see, oh, what's the balance like for Owen now? And then we would calculate, okay, actually for the 800, if that's what he wants to do at 1500, uh, the VLA max is great. It's perfect. We'll keep it where it is. He needs what's there. But we, if you suddenly say, no, actually I've changed my mind. I want to do the marathon. We can see that the fact that this, this system is at a particular level of output, that's actually going to spit out so much lactate that your system will clog up well before you reach the finish line of the marathon. And that totally changes the training process because now you need to weaken a system, you know, and that's not something most people are aware of. So because this VLA max, whenever you do anaerobic work, you feed it. And most of us, as we've mentioned so many times in this podcast, most of us have a tendency to overfeed that system because we always drift into zone three and zone four more yeah. than we should. So it's if you could be shown, you know, with your own eyes, look, your problem is not your fitness. There's nothing wrong. You have a great aerobic engine. Look at the output here. But the, your problem is your VLA max is too high. That's why your paces are not as good as, as they should be. Okay. You know, you could, it will totally change your training process because now it's not about actually, it's not that you need to fix your endurance. It's that you need to reduce your stimulus of this wild anaerobic beast inside you. Yeah, brilliant. Um, it sounds it sounds fantastic, Granny, doesn't it? It's really bringing this type of analysis to the next level. And as we were saying at the start, they've they've developed their algorithms based on thousands and thousands of real life tests and data. Um, so it's something I'm sure that the, the running coach Ireland athletes are looking to embrace over the coming months. And if anybody new, Granny, wants to get in touch and to do the test, which uh, they can get you on your 
on your social media channels on runningcoach.ie. And Renny, a brilliant piece of analysis there today from you. Thanks a million for bringing us through that. And good luck with the testing with it over the over the coming months. I'm sure you're you're really looking forward to getting going with it and testing it out on some of your current crop of athletes and any new ones that come on board as well. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we really hope to see more value from it. You know, it's as I said, we were very happy with the test we had because they were already giving us a lot. Um, but you're always looking for more, I think, in sports. You know, in sport, if you if you stand if you if you stand still, you're going backwards, right? That is just the way it is. So you always have to kind of look to to what's next and, and how can you just find a few extra insights or percentages that you need. And um, I think we are no different, you know, than anyone else in that regard. We want to find out. And I hope definitely that the people who try this with us will, you know, will, will see some real benefits. Brilliant. Okay, well, listen, Renny, until next time, Renny Borg from runningcoach.ie. Renny, we'll chat to you soon. All the best. All right. Thanks, Owen. For our feature interview this week, somebody who has had an amazing debut season in trail running with four big trail running wins this year, as well as just completing a master's in sport and exercise psychology. At 25 years of age, the world is at this lady's feet. Guys, we've got a very special guest with us this week, and she has been tearing up the trails in back home in Ireland and across the UK over the last couple of months. Rebecca Horman, you're very welcome to Trail Running Ireland. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. It's very exciting to get to get your message and, you know, be on the show with you. Well, Rebecca, I mean, I saw you a couple of weeks ago now um, winning in Eco Trail Wicklow and it was a great win. And, and I soon discovered that you've been, as I said, just dominating ultra running races, trail running races over the last couple of months. So I thought it would be great to get to know you. I'm sure the listeners would love to find out a little bit more about you as well. And and I know from talking to you during the week, you've got a really interesting, incredible story to tell, both on the mountains and off the mountains. So maybe just to, to kick us off, Rebecca, how did you end up in Ireland originally from Philadelphia, but it wasn't exactly a direct move from Philadelphia to Ireland. A lot has gone on in between. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a long, complicated story with lots of, you know, bits and pieces there. But I guess the general gist of it is that, like you said, I'm from Philly um, and I up and left Philadelphia um, and I moved to Spain. Um, I grew up as kind of like a soccer player more than anything else. So I was over in Spain and I was, you know, playing soccer there and um, focusing on Spanish. And I finished up my bachelor's degree over there um, and I was working a little bit over there as well. Um, And then it just there came a time when I was like, you know what, Um, it's time to move on and do something else. And um, I ended up buying a one a one way flight to Jakarta, Indonesia. Um, and so I was traveling in Southeast Asia for a good seven or eight months. And I was doing a lot of diving. I was working on my dive master, um, my paddy dive master over there. I was on this tiny little Island, um, in Borneo, um, Malaysia and, um, and then COVID happened. So when COVID hit, I basically had to evacuate the Island. Um, it was like a crazy, you know, doomsday situation where you wake up in the morning and they're like, oh, we're, we're shutting the borders. Like if you're a tourist, you have to leave. So, you know, by the end of that day, I was on a flight um, over to uh, London, actually, um, because I had texted uh, my best friend who's actually from Belfast. And I was like, can I come crash at your house for, you know, 
X amount of time. Um, and she was like, yeah, no problem. Um, and that's kind of how I ended up over in uh, Belfast about a year and a half ago. Well, I mean, I could go back to a number of stops <laughs> in that journey, but I might just ask about the, the first stop off in Spain, Rebecca, yeah. where you said you went over there to play football, to play soccer. Was that, did you go to Spain to study first and foremost, or did you go to Spain to play football? Yeah, I, so I, I'd started university in the States and I did a year there and um, it just, it wasn't for me. Um, like the American type of university style. And um, I never really wanted to live in the States. I grew up all over the place. Um, my mom is, you know, from Chile. She grew up in Switzerland. And so we were always traveling when I was a kid. Um, and I really, like, I preferred a European lifestyle. Um, and so when I got the opportunity, I got myself a scholarship to go over to play soccer in Spain. Um, and I was supposed to go back after six months, um, but that it just, it didn't happen. Um, so, and then I re-picked up my university degree there. And um, so it was just kind of playing and studying and um, just really loving life. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not the first footballer turned runner. And that was my <laughs> background as well. I played football for, for a long time, 15 years before I started running. Yeah. And I know my best friend in the running world, Mark Ryan, who, who runs on the Irish Mountain Running Team, he was the exact same, a, a footballer for 15 years before he was a runner. And I'm sure lots of other people like that as well. And um, you're only 25, quite young um, to be running ultra races and doing so well in ultra um, races. You mentioned that you played a lot of football, you've been studying and doing diving as well. What has been your sporting background in general? Has it always been active, Rebecca, always playing football, always doing something? And I suppose the, the, the question I'm trying to get to is, what, where do you think this fantastic aerobic strength has come from? you know, were you born with it? Is it all natural or have you been running around forever and ever since you were a kid? Um, I've always been, I've always been an athlete. Like I've always kind of identified as, you know, that's me. I'm an athlete. I do sports. Um, I, I was, you know, never particularly amazing at anything. I did, I did everything like you name it. Swimming, soccer was my primary sport. I biked a lot, played lacrosse. Um, so I was always an athlete. Um, and I've done like, I, I really enjoy going on like multi-day bike rides and stuff like that. Um, so that was kind of the most endurance type event. Well, it wasn't even an event, just kind of me by myself um, doing that. Um, so I, I don't really know, to be honest, I don't know where it came from. Um, it's just kind of sport's been part of my life and it just kind of whatever interests me in that moment or whatever makes sense, I kind of follow it and pursue it a little bit. Um, and I guess that's kind of how I ended up, you know, focusing more on running. It just, um, it just happened to be the right thing. Um, and it turns out I, I really, really love it more than I thought I would. Yeah. And it was a baptism of fire for you from a running point of view. And um, when you did the Bangkok half marathon <laughs> in 2019, I'm sure that was tough. And I'm sure the training for it was oh, tough yeah. as well I'm not surprised that you left the roads behind after that and uh and went into the mountains yeah no that was that was tough because I was I was traveling in Southeast Asia when I was training for that marathon because it's in December um it was really hot in in Bangkok and I was in Sri Lanka for a while I was in Abu Dhabi um visiting family I was you know in Indonesia and it's really really hot um so I was waking up at 4 a.m to 
you know, go training and trying to beat the heat, but you're not really beating the heat. So, um, you know, that was, that was fun stuff. Yeah. And you left, I think the roads behind maybe at that point. And what was it, Rebecca, that brought you to trail running and, and ultra running? Because, you know, some people after maybe doing a half marathon on the roads, a next natural step might be to go and try and do a road marathon, mm -hmm. then try and become faster in a road marathon. But maybe you could talk to us about your journey from the Bangkok half on the road mm -hmm into ultras and and the mountains yeah no so i mean it's a really it's a really good point because obviously that's kind of the the logical thing to do like um you know you do your half and then you do your marathon and then maybe you consider yeah. doing an ultra when i did my half i didn't even know ultras existed um <laughs> i didn't no, no idea like i mean i was aware of marathon like I, I knew nothing of running do you know what i mean um so uh, I did the half and then I kind of thought, right, no, that that's fine. Like I've done my half marathon. I can brag about that. I've got my medal. Um, um, and, um, then I really think I really got into running more and, um, doing more distance because of COVID. And I think a lot of people experience this is quite common. You can't really do much. You could, you could go out running, you know, you have your running shoes and you have outdoors. Um, so a lot of people got more into running and I, I've always been like an early riser so I'd get up really early and I'd you know um run this coastal trail near where I was living and I would keep you know just adding a mile or two you know every so often and then um at the weekend I do like my you know long run which wasn't that long back back then um and I just kept building up and then um I think I did like my first marathon distance on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day in 2020 last year. So, and you know, once I finished that, I look, I looked at my Strava and I was like, you know what? Like this isn't too bad. Um, and I was like, I kind of really want to, you know, go further. Um, and at that point, I had somehow discovered, oh, ultras exist, you know, that's going a little bit further. So I was like, you know what? I that will be my 2021, you know, thing that I'll do. I'll do an ultra. Um, so I did my first one in May. And after that, I mean you kind of know how it goes. You're like, right, no, I've done that. So you kind of want to, you know, do a little bit more, keep going. And, you know, it all kind of progressed from there. And it's been an incredible um, <laughs> progress and an incredible set of results, Rebecca. And I might just go through the results here and correct me now if I'm wrong. Um, as I said, you did your first ultra in May of this year, Goring yeah. Gap, 52 kilometers, and you were top five there, fourth or fifth, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Then you were the first lady home in the Brecon to Cardiff, 72 kilometers, first home in the Causeway Coast Marathon, mm -hmm. first home in the Eco Trail Wicklow, 80k, and then am I right in saying first then as well in the Gower 50 miler? Yep, that's right, yeah. All since May this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a good year. It's gonna been a great year as a as an ultra runner. Um, off to a good start, I think. Yeah, and how how has that felt, Rick? I mean, where do we start with that set of results? First of all, let me see. Um, recovery after all of those runs. I mean, you, you came top five in Goring, then you went on and you won one, two, three, four ultras in a row. Uh, how is the body doing? Is it bruised and battered or, you know, are you a superwoman and just, yeah, um, no, no problem to you. You're eating up everything around you. I mean, I mean, I do suffer after those races a little bit. I mean, Goring, obviously it was my first 
race it absolutely destroyed me um which is funny though because now you know I'd, I'd probably run goring and be okay afterwards um but yeah no everything kind of um was less and less of a recovery issue afterwards I mean obviously you're kind of your body builds up for it and um becomes used to it so um after Causeway Coast I was you know I was all right um I was okay enough to run Eco Trail Eco Trail kind of destroyed me for a week or so um but like I just I eat so much food and um I'm always moving and I think that really helps with recovery um so yeah no normally I just give myself you know just listen to my body and kind of go with whatever it's telling me and turn out okay yeah and even say from a training point of view um over the summertime in the lead up to the goring gap and then going out to do all those races are you following any kind of training philosophy or training structure or i suspect you might be just jumping from race to race and running off field maybe tell us what you're doing training wise you know what i'm actually a meticulous planner Right. Um, I'm the, I'm the person who writes a to-do list every morning. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm that type of person. Um, yeah. so like my training plans are immaculate. Um, I've got everything planned out like a week or two ahead. Um, and so like, I'm very, everything's very detailed. And the, I think starting out training for uh, my first ultra and then, you know, just progressing after that was all kind of bits and pieces of just my own research. Like, you can go online and you can find a training plan, no problem. Um, so I would kind of, you know, take bits and pieces of things and, you know, fit it to what worked for me and um, just go by trial and error. And so, no, actually, like I, I could go back and I've got the exact thing of every day of what I did every day for pretty much, you know, the past year almost, um, yeah. and, you know, buildups and different types of sessions. And um, no, so I'm very specific about everything that I do. <laughs> Yeah, and I, um, I'm sure you'll be um, compiling a results sheet as well of all your races. Have you begun to list all your races and all your race results and times and so on? Because I'm sure that's going to be very interesting over the next couple of years to, to jot down all your results and all your races. Yeah, no, I haven't really started with that. I just, um, <clears throat> it's all still very surreal to me. Um, just, you know, looking at the trophies and stuff there, I'm like, yeah. it's weird. Like, so yeah. I haven't really sat down and done that yet. Um, well, from the research that you did um, on training and from what has worked well for you, Rebecca, like what is it that's working well for you training wise? If you're if you're willing to divulge your, your training secrets, <laughs> um, is, is it high mileage? Are you, are, are you do you try to get into the trails every day? Do you do any speed work? Do you do easy days, hard days? And yeah. what, what does it look like? Yeah. So, um, unfortunately I, cause I live in Belfast, pretty much city center. Um, it's really hard to get to trails. Um, so, and I, my transportation is bike. Uh, I bike everywhere. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I do a lot of like, I'll build up over a certain amount of weeks. Um, like, and I'll, I'll try to make that kind of logical in terms of the mileage that I'm doing, um, each week and kind of increase it and then decrease a little bit. Um, I always try to do like a speed session. I hate them, but I do them. Um, and then just like, you know, your recovery kind of run every here and there. Um, and like, like I said, I bike a lot. So I do a lot of cross training and stuff. And I, yeah. I try to get in the pool every week or so. Um, but yeah, no, so definitely I have a speed session. I'll try to do, I'll try to get the hills in there at least 
um, you know, once or twice a week, although my options are limited unless I go and run circles around uh, Cave Hill um, over here in Belfast. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so generally um, stuff like that. And then some of my runs are kind of just, oh, I need to go to Tesco. So I'm going to run a 5K there, um, <laughs> you know, just out of it, pure enjoyment of the sport because I just like being being out. Um, yeah. If yeah. Kind of and what, what type of speed work do you do, Rebecca? Is it shorter reps, like 200s or 400s, or do you push it out to the 1K reps? Or I'll do it by time normally. Um, mm-hmm. So it depends. Like I'll, I'll, I'll change up what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll do something as simple as, you know, um, a 30 second sprint and one minute rest, um, and then repeat that however many times, or, you know, normally I just play around with, you know, anything that's from like a 15 minute, you know, hard going hard. And then, uh, for like 15 second going, not 15 minute, 15 second going hard. And then maybe four to five second yeah. rest or play around with little numbers like that. Um, but like I said, like everything I know is just kind of, uh, my own research. Um, and like, I have so much to learn, um, in terms of what to do and what not to do and, yeah. um, stuff like that. Yeah. And for your long runs, Rebecca, like, do, you, do you have any limit for your long runs or, you know, do you regularly go beyond two hours, for example, at weekends? Um, I, yeah, no, I tend to run by distance as opposed to time. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's kind of what works for me now. Obviously, I can might be changing that up. Um, so, yeah, normally like um, I probably won't. Like, I'm not going to go out and run a 50K every weekend. Um, But like, I'll probably, if I'm kind of like at the peak of a training block there, I might be out doing like a marathon or a little bit longer. Um, But I take it like long runs. I really take nice and slow. I like to bring my audio books. You know, I just like to bring my snacks, get my audio book and just kind of, you know, keep the legs moving little by little. And um, no, I just, so I just really enjoy that. However long that takes, I just like being out. And I suppose outside of running as well, you're very, very busy too, or you have certainly been very, very busy. Um, you've done a fascinating master's in sports and exercise psychology at the Ulster University. Maybe talk to us about that. I'm sure the listeners would love to just get an insight into what it's like to, to study uh, sports and exercise psychology masters and maybe touch on some of the things that you might have learned and anything that you're applying yourself, Rebecca, to your own training and maybe, you know, the, the rest of us can maybe use any tips that you picked up over the over the year to help us all be mentally stronger while we're out training and racing. That's everybody asks me that they, they, they yeah. are like, oh, you did a master in sports psychology. Do you, you know, do you apply that to your running? And I'm sitting here thinking, well, maybe subconsciously, um, but not like on purpose or anything. Um, I think there's a lot of strategies of sports psychology that a lot of athletes just use naturally things like imagery. Um, I think that's maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think it's quite super, super common. Um, no, but yeah, no, I did my uh, master's degree in sport and exercise psychology. And the weird thing about it was that it hit, you know, it hit that year when COVID kind of shut everything down. And so it was online, my master's degree, um, which was good and bad, you know, um, I was able to kind of really pursue things that I really liked, but I didn't actually meet my, um, my professors until my dissertation presentation, which was really funny, actually. Um, Mm. No, but there's, there's a lot of really interesting aspects and um, there is a lot of focus on 
elite athletes, which is not really, not really what interested me so much. I really wanted to look at sports psychology in terms of everyday people um, and how, you know, that can really help people get moving and get more involved in sport, just like little things um, that can kind of get people out the door and, or, you know, motivational structures that um, people can use in their everyday life. Um, so yeah, no, it's absolutely like, I loved, I love studying it. Um, and I think it's becoming a little more prominent in the sports world, um, little by little. Um, but yeah, no. And you might be interested in episode 32 that we did, Rebecca, a couple of weeks ago now. I think maybe with one of your lecturers there, um, Dr. Noel Brick. Oh, and we spoke with him about the, his book, The Genius of Athletes. And he had a great chat with us there for the show. Uh, yeah, about sports psychology in general and some of the tips that he had picked up over the years from his research and so on. And, and I thought one thing that he said that was very, very interesting and something that he uses himself is that when he's, when he's trying to motivate himself, he talks to himself in the third person, as in he might say, um, Noel, you can do this, mm-hmm. rather than saying, um, come on, I can do it, I can do it. Like, he's yeah. like talking to himself saying, Noel, you can do this. And that has actually, I think he actually did a study on it, or he came across a study on it, and it actually worked. <laughs> um, it, it helped just get a slightly better result than, than just talking to yourself. So I thought that was an interesting one, and maybe something you could listen to on one, one of your long Sunday runs over the coming weeks. <laughs> you know for sure no I do the same thing I'm like damn it Rebecca like you know you got this like why are you being so lazy yeah no um little things like that um that's why I say like I think there's a lot of strategies that we all use we just don't really realize it necessarily Um, yeah and the future for you Rebecca like are you are you busy training at the moment or are you working I I presume you'd love to use the qualifications that you have, as you said, to, to help people across all aspects of society and not just sport, but to, but to help people get fitter and healthier in general. Um, what's the future for you? Is it in Belfast and Ireland, running around the hills of Ireland and winning races all across Ireland and the UK? Or, or what are you thinking of doing? Yeah, no, that is another great question there. Um, I will, like, I, I will stay, I'll be in the UK. Um, like, I, I don't, when I left the States, I, you know, when I stayed in Spain, I didn't really have an intention of going back to the States and I still have no intention of doing so just because I enjoy living over in this neck of the woods a lot more. Um, I would like, I'd love to pursue, you know, sports psychology or, you know, working in the field of sport, um, whether that is pursuing it in an academic sense or more in a, you know, practical sense. I don't know yet. I think it's kind of going to be a trial and error type of thing to, to figure out kind of what fits me. I mean, I've got a solid foundation. Um, but other than that, like I, I mean, I, I've really found this thing that I, I really love, like I love ultra running. I love trail running. And, um, like I said, I'm, I'm really new to the sport. I have, I have so much to learn. Um, and like, I'm just trying to like, you know, every time I, you know, find somebody who, you know, has some experience, I'm just kind of like, have all these questions like talk to me tell me everything like I want you I want your wisdom I want your knowledge um because I just want to grow and improve and um so probably like right now um I am I am racing again in December um over in England but just kind of kind of like a season finisher type of race I'd say um like a low-key just for for enjoyment um and then I'm trying to sort out what I want to do next year in terms of races and stuff um have to kind of sit down and think about, you know, what my goals are and, um, you know, 
where I want to go and um, if I want to kind of stay racing more in the UK or if I want to try to do some stuff over in in maybe Spain or something. Um, so it's all kind of up in the air right now um, and I'm open to all the suggestions. Um, yeah, and how how much of a competitor are you, Rebecca? And maybe that's a stupid question, but you know, you've you've won these races, which I know certainly in Eco Trail, for example, when we spoke to Julie McNamee, you had a hard battle that day with Julie, and you came out on top of that battle. I mean, how how ambitious are you in terms of your your running career? And I know it's still very early days. Yeah. Would you would you love to do some of the big trail running races and you know eventually test yourself against the best in the likes of UTMB and Western states over in America and maybe even try and make a, a US trail running or mountain running team because it's so early in your career but you've shown you have this incredible strength and incredible talent and doing so well and um, who knows what your limits are and um, so uh, have you thought that far ahead and. Well, thank you. You make me sound so cool and with a bright future. It's so nice to hear. Um, I, I'm not sure. Um, like, I mean, for example, I eco trail was crazy to me that I, you know, took first lady at that, um, absolutely blew my mind. I remember standing there on the start line and you were like, yeah, you know, Gavin's here, Julie's here. And I'm just sitting there like, holy crap, like, let me just, you know, sink back into, you know, the back of the... the back if I had known you were there, Rebecca, I would have been on Rebecca Horman's here as well. I was like, I was, and obviously nobody knew who I was. And I remember I crossed the finish line and you like took a double take. You're like, wait, what? Um, but yeah, so no, I never, I never set out to win. When I, when I, you know, took first lady at Breck and Cardiff, I was in complete shock. Um, so at the core of it all, it's just, you know, a love for running and a love for being on the trails. And if, um, if that takes me somewhere, um, then absolutely by all means, like, um, if it's something I love and I somehow turn out to be, you know, not too shabby at it, then great. Amazing. And, you know, if that doesn't really happen, um, if I never, ever win a race again, then that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll keep loving it and going for it. So, um, yeah, it's a bit early on, I think for me to kind of look at those things. I mean, I'd, you know, I think everybody's dream almost is to run at the UTMB or, you know, um, just to be there, um, nonetheless compete. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know that anything could happen in the future, really. Brilliant, Dan. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, Rebecca, maybe if a few brands start knocking on your door as well, because, you know, a lot of brands have a presence in trail running, the likes of Hoka, Adidas Terex as well. And so for somebody like yourself that has achieved so much so soon and, you know, a humble and and a great personality to boot as well, let's keep an eye out for for maybe some form of a trail running sponsorship or contract, hopefully for you in the future that will help help you on your travels and, and racing around Europe and the world. Rebecca, it's been a real privilege to get to know you this evening and to have a chat. And I'm sure our listeners will look forward to seeing you out racing um, soon, hopefully soon, and in lots more races around Ireland and indeed the UK, as you said, as well. So Rebecca, best of luck with everything. Best of luck in the racing and best of luck in your future um, sports psychology career as well. A real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me.
There you go guys, a very impressive and talented individual is Rebecca and it's going to be fascinating to see how far she can go in the trail running world over the next couple of years. Before we go guys, a shout out to our friends in Imre, the Irish Mountain Running Association of course, who are celebrating 40 years in existence on the weekend of November 27th with a lot of exciting racing happening, beginning with a woman's only night race on the Friday to help encourage female participation in the sport and then on the Saturday there is five different races on a 32k 26 and 18k as well as a schools race and the all ireland juniors race so good luck to all the team that are organizing that one and congratulations indeed to the whole imra family on their 40 years a congratulations as well to matthew mcconnell who beat in form rory long into second place in the imra paris court ridge on november 6th by just 21 seconds over one hour 18 minutes of racing and marcy hell and Sarah Sarah Brady who are first and second and well ahead of the chasing pack in the ladies race. Finally for today everybody, well done to Team Ireland who competed in the Nations Cup which of course took place in lieu of the postponed European and World Championships this year. The race was part of the established Val Bregaglia Trail in Chiavana in North Italy and Ireland were represented in the men's race by Zach Hanna, James Cavan, Eddie O'Connor and Enda Cloak and in the senior women's race Lisa Hegarty, Becky Quinn and Elizabeth Wheeler with Zach first home in the men's race in 27th overall and Elizabeth first home for the ladies in 34th well done on the guys and I think some of the guys there getting their first caps for Ireland so congratulations on that one news also came through last week that the world mountain and trail running championship scheduled for February next year in Thailand has been postponed for the second time but not the third time and is now scheduled for November 2022 again in Thailand and I think to be honest guys you do have to question the wisdom of maintaining such a far away destination for the majority of competing nations in current COVID environment so let's see what happens there next year and of course the new European off-road championships which include mountain and trail running are due to take place in the Canary Island of La Palma where there has been an erupting volcano for the last six weeks and volcanoes in the Canary Islands have shown that they can go on for years and years. So that could be another international competition in doubt there. So as myself and Rennie said at the top of the show, the, the Masters World Mountain Running Championships in Clonmel might be the best bet for some international racing in an Irish singlet for next year. If you do get a chance, guys, do pop over to patreon.com, the Trail Running Ireland podcast there. If you would like to make a donation of three to six euros, the price of a gel per month to help keep the lights on here in hq in the trail running ireland podcast hq everybody have a super week or two until our next training until the next time get your running gear on let's go Bye.